0: I'm Max, and you're listening to Zeta Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original
1: podcast. Aloha, dudes and dudettes. This is Alan. This is Molly. And
0: this is Max.
1: And you're listening to Zeta Lapidus. It is the show where we watch every Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM in chronological order, and then spend far too much time analyzing them, almost as if uh, we attended AP classes in high school, and this is what we now do with that skill, really. Uh, and this week, we watch Johnny's Tsunami.
2: Yeah, brah. Getting ready to hang loose.
1: Getting ready to hang loose. I was hanging loose the entire time. I'm going to get worked by this podcast.
2: <laughs> You're going to shred <laughs> some gnarly they slopes?
1: They're going to work me. They're going to get worked, bro. Uh, I have to say, it's this is a great example of like in the... De- oh, we've seen this happen a couple of times, right? Like we've had it in xenon girl the 21st century we had it in brink uh we had it a little bit in like halloween town where they just they're like all right let's lean into the linguistics and just fully commit and i think this is this is another like great example of that because right off the bat it's just like oh oh surfer bro language all over the place
2: surfer bro and snow bro Mm -hmm. snow bro snow bro snow
1: bro snow bro sounds like a pokemon
2: Uh, Anyway, so let's
1: read over some of the basic show info of Johnny Tsunami. A Hawaiian teenage surfer shows off his skills when he takes to the snow slopes in Vermont. There's
0: no conflict there. (laughs) Sure, that happens, I
2: guess. That's true. There's obstacles at every turn, but... You know, some, not uh,
0: in this version of the story. <laughs> nope. no, Molly, he, nope. He's just a happy server and he's like, yo, I should try snowboarding.
2: Yeah, it, there's some up and down, you know, relationships he deals. Not with all and we dissect move. Some family issues, but sure, certainly yeah.
0: no classism in this movie at all. No uh, <laughs> yeah, economical differences. We explore
2: not at all. So I guess Ugh. that does it. That sums yeah. it
1: right up. It's literally like what it's just like, what's the, what's the wonder bread version no it's
2: kind of like it's kind of like if
0: the movie just compartmentalized all of its trauma kind of like i do if it just like took everything that it deals with and put it in a box and was like you know what i am a surfer that also snowboards
2: it would be like if the (laughs) it would be like if the tagline for jaws was like three friends go out on a fishing boat yeah all right exactly that's it that does happen
1: Oh, golly. Yeah. This this movie was released July 24th of 1999. So again, I think we're, we're picking up the pace of the number of DCOMs released annually now. I mean, we had what? 97, 98, 99. This is now like sort the third year of major DCOM releases and we're getting them almost every other month for yeah, a while. So we've
2: been talking about 1999 for a long
1: time. Oh, if you think this is a long time, we're going to talk about 2000 through 2005 in depth. Great. I mean, it's almost monthly. Did either of you watch this movie as a kid?
2: You know, this one's weird because I think so, but nothing really stuck out to me as like a scene I really remembered the way I have very visible memories of certain scenes in Xenon and Smart House and Brink burned into my brain. There weren't any scenes like that, but I have to assume I watched it and I was very familiar with the characters, but maybe that's just how I feel about this movie.
0: <laughs> I think this movie got promoted heavily maybe that. Like I remember wow. this movie being advertised all the time when it when it came out. Like this was very heavy decom like pushing these films on the Disney channel and so I agree that I think I've I remember oh my god, what is his name? The famous Jet Jackson i remember him in that Lee thompson young lee thompson young rest in peace all right i remember him wearing that snowboarder hat yes that sticks in my brain that was familiar but i yeah similarly like nothing
2: but is it in my brain from the trailer or is it in my brain from right exactly
0: exactly but i mean i've known the name johnny tsunami since i was a kid i, I knew that of this as a decom. again it got promoted really hard i think i've seen bits and pieces probably caught it when it was on but i don't remember ever sitting and watching the whole thing
1: yeah i literally heard the name johnny tsunami and did not know what it was in reference to when we first look at that list of dcoms in chronological order that we're going from i looked at this i was like boy eighty percent of these do not look familiar at all did yeah. not know they were like and i wonder if there's just like this massive blind side gap and sort of like my childhood in that range where i was just based on various circumstances of me growing up like i just didn't watch the dcoms but this is literally the first ever viewing of johnny tsunami and boy was it a ride i'm wow go me for the pun there for yeah the it but was a ride big time to be fair like again i think i talked about last week when we when we we're diving into guess, Smart, Smart House. Smart. House. When we watch, Yeah, exactly. When we watch Smart House and then prior to that with like Xenon, like this feels like Disney's hit their stride with what the DCOM is intended to be. And like nine times out of 10, the formula is working, right? Because the movie's not you lucky dog. It is like, it's a genuine like, all right, I can popcorn. I can eat some popcorn and watch this movie. Like this is pretty good. This is probably just my age talking, but like
0: when I think of DCOMs, this era is what i think of right and obviously that is age-wise but like i the era of johnny tsunami of the original halloween town of smart house of brink of xenon like this pocket feels like decoms to mm-hmm. me and like then it continues and it becomes a different thing and i know like you know people that are younger than us might might think of like Descendants, like maybe that's their thing, or Camp Rock is maybe their thing. But like when I think of DCOMs, I don't even think of like High School Musical. Like I think of this pocket of DCOMs as being like the iconic selection of DCOMs. Because after this, you get a lot of sequels, right? We have Mm -hmm. another Johnny Tsunami, Uh, we have another Halloween Town, we have another Xenon. We're all like a lot of the ones that are started in this grouping continue. And and weigh the foundation for waiter decoms.
1: And I think that also rings true for the movies, like not just Disney Channel original movie, but like the actual Disney animated feature releases. We also strongly identify with this pocket, right? From, I think, let's just go from like Little Mermaid through the mid-oughts. So let's just do like 2005, 2006. The Renaissance. Like You're the, saying rena- the Renaissance. Yeah, the Renaissance of Disney. Like that's our pocket of Disney films. Like this is. The thing that we identify with when it comes to Disney movies. So I can, I can draw, now that you say that, I'm drawing a lot of sort of correlation between that. Um, and yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about the top song. There were two and it was very close. And the only reason I'm mentioning them both is because if I, I looked at multiple lists and honestly, they sort of jockeyed for position. The first is Wild Wild West by Will Smith. Oh, hell wild hell West. yeah. Wicca, wicked Wicked wild wild, wild west. west.
2: We're going straight to the wild wild west we're going straight to the wild wild what a great song
1: now we can we can yeah. all agree the wild wild west is a good song right we can all agree
2: yeah. do you uh-huh. want to know what
1: it was jockeying for position with bills 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 by destiny's oh, child wow
2: can you pay my bills can you pay my telephone bills can you pay my automobiles baby giving me chills i don't think you do so you and me are through. Oh, like that song here. is
1: so. Good. We are not your back. And opinions.
0: this has been Molly's radio hour. I,
2: Welcome I, back we are hitting Molly's my stride for the radio top hour. forty hits on the radio too. Like this is what I still listen to. For sure. Like people are often like, "What kind of music do you listen to?" And I'm like, there are three things happening in my car. There are Harry Potter audiobooks. There's the Hamilton soundtrack, and there's the movies from, or and there's music from the late nineties up through the mid two thousands. That's yeah. it.
1: And this has been DJ Molly spinning the hits of her Toyota RAV4. Welcome back to Zetas Lapidus, your A- regularly scheduled program. This,
2: this would have been the sweet hits of my Nissan Xterra. Oh, yeah, Xterra. the Xterra.
1: The Xterra. So those are our top two songs of the week. The top grossing film of this week, which sort of helps us identify why Wild Wild West was the song, is the film Wild Wild
2: West. I think we could all agree that while well, the song is great, well, the movie.
0: Okay, but if you've never heard Kevin Smith... <laughs> Describe the pitch of the giant spider robot. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. And I encourage anybody to go look at it I'm in tears. Because where this movie came from is something truly inspired. Uh. And to hear him talk about then seeing Wild Wild West and seeing it come to life. Oh my God, this is, this is a reference
1: for maybe 10 people in the audience. But trust me, you're, you're missing out. Oh my God! Oh, I'm literally in tears. Okay, some of the events of the day, or some of like the notable things that are happening this uh, in this in this week. Um, number one is that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was released about two weeks prior to this release date, and it was still flying off the shelves as one of the number one selling books of that time, and that would carry on for quite some time.
2: That is sure. my favorite of the Harry Potter books.
1: I think mine is number six. Not two. Yeah, yeah, not choose, the Chamber of Secrets. my least favorite. Half-Blood Prince is incredible. Number, uh, so Order of the Phoenix is a lot, of, a lot of capital text from a lot of teenage angst.
2: I love Order of the Phoenix. It's actually my number two. Uh, and then the second
1: sort of notable thing that's happening around this time is that the Nokia 3210 is currently one of the most popular cell phones on the market. And I know both of you are thinking to yourself, hey, gee whiz, what's the Nokia 3210? Don't worry. I've got a picture I'm going to send you in our group chat right now.
2: Oh, I didn't need the picture. I knew.
1: It is the
0: classic
2: feeling. It's the brick. You know which one it is.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think I needed the photo.
2: (laughs) Listener, whatever phone you're thinking uh, of, you're right.
0: It's that one.
2: It's that one. That you could play Snake all day long. (laughs) You (laughs) You could run
0: over it with a car, and it would be fine. Absolutely.
2: I remember having an old phone around this time and wanting a new phone. And my parents were like, you can't have a new phone until this one breaks. And I remember being a little shit and actively trying to break the phone. And I couldn't do it. Like, I would, like, drop it. Like, oopsies. And it was like, it's fine.
1: Uh, Honestly, I think that there's going to be only a very few things in whatever sort of, like, nuclear waste exists as, as our world implodes, right? The Nokia 3210, they will find one of those alongside cockroaches and Twinkies. Like, those are going to be the things that remain from civilization after all time has passed.
2: I think that phone would probably work right now if you had one.
1: Absolutely would. I think that's what they based the Jitterbug off of, honestly. They just took a Nokia 3010 and were like, let's put a hinge on it so that way it makes it smaller. And, and you know, so that is our Jitterbug. Let's dive into Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, brah. We're all in the right headspace. I'm ready. Let's I'm do 99. it. Our opening scene is as it should be when we start out with a, with a name like Johnny Tsunami on the beach in Hawaii with three middle school kids preteens i want to say preteens chomping on some pineapple looking through an old photo album and watching john uh, johnny's grandfather also johnny took me a minute to get that through my head surfing in the wake sort of discussing his prowess as a surfer and the legends surrounding him well the um, grandfather is johnny tsunami for sure Johnny
0: Kapahala, the main character, is not Johnny Tsunami. There, this movie is named after his grandfather. Honestly,
2: sure. as it should be.
1: Yeah, true. The best character in this entire. Like, right off the bat, I was like, I think I'm going to love this grandpa. Also, also, from Mortal Kombat. Also. Thought you should know.
2: Also, he's a gilf. He's hot.
0: <laughs> grandzaddy, Ooh. as we say. He grand-zaddy. is a grandzaddy. Like, he grand-zaddy. can get it. He
2: comes in off the beach and he's like, Sup guys? And I was like, wow, Grandpa can get it. Yeah,
1: my yeah. first thought was like, no shot that dude's a grandfather. Like, that was my first thought. I was like, no shot this dude it. is a grandfather. He did Grand not pass, he did not pass yes. those
2: genes to his son, who we'll meet in a little bit. But, yeah, Grandpa can get it. Absence. Okay,
0: but can we also, right in the beginning, as we introduce Grandzati,
2: mm-hmm.
0: talk about his catchphrase. Hee-hee! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hee-hee! He's like Hawaiian Michael Jackson. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Do you think that was ad-libbed? I want there to be a world where he just like started. He does <laughs> it
0: all the time. I like love it. Every <laughs> line he says, he'll be like, he would be like, oh, I know that you're going back to Vermont.
1: I'm going to miss you. <laughs> you hey, I don't he... know what you're doing there, Pono, but you're going to surf well. <laughs>
0: you and you are like, okay. bedroom? Yeah, it's like a Seabat song. It's like... <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's like, <laughs> instead of riding the waves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is one, one of
3: the
1: times I wish that you could see Max's face as he did that, like, acapella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So this is when we, I, I think we're introduced mainly to Johnny Kapahala and then Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Kapahala is, of course, named after Johnny Tsunami coming off the beach and you're introduced to a couple of things that come come into play later in the film one of which is the johnny uh, the tsunami medal i don't know if it's called the johnny tsunami medal i don't recall that but it is a medal
2: <laughs> it's my favorite thing because it's a medal that the grandpa won when he was older and it's just the medal to declare you're the best surfer like it's, <laughs> it's not from a particular well, competition well, or anything well, <laughs> it's just like, it's <laughs> just like, this is for Hawaii's best surfer. <laughs> <laughs> you get the name, soon. now. And, like, now. No, one's then, ta- <laughs> no one's taken <laughs> it since the grandpa. <laughs> 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 it's just
0: like, okay. Um, but then they ask him, he shows, Johnny Kavala asked to show it to his friends, and he, like, pulls it off the wall, and he's like, this is the medal for the best surfer in Hawaii. And Grandpa's like, well, not really. He's like, this is the medal for the surfer that has respect for nature and like how you celebrates you celebrates brotherhood and also is a good surfer and it's <laughs> like well, how do you who awarded that medal?
2: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
3: can we just can we punctuate our sentences with hee hee? People no, will tune us. out. <laughs> yeah, immediately.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, you just got it. I mean, it is all the time <laughs> throughout it,
3: this uh, movie. It
2: feels... But the hey! medal feels like a participation award that like somebody it got blown gave out a of kid, proportion. and they're like, "Here's your award yeah.
0: for you being a good friend, nature." And, and value brotherhood. And he's like, best surfer Hawaii. Call me tsunami, bitch. Like, <laughs> they put, they okay. put it on that, they put it on a rainbow ribbon that they I got at Party it. City, and they're like, this is for the best one. <laughs>
2: Wink. I love it. There's only one on the island. The metal, at least the metal comes back. The metal. Oh, yeah.
3: It does. It, it does. does come back. So after this wild interaction where
1: there's absolutely zero closure and so many questions opened, we cut to... Johnny in a surfing contest.
2: Young Uh, Johnny. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Capahalla. Johnny Cabajala. I I say young Johnny, but that's a grown-ass man on the surfboard <laughs> got sure. Yo,
0: the stunt doubles in this movie are <laughs> insane like,
2: we thought they were dramatic in brink oh, when so it went but like, at least the kids in brink were allegedly like 16 or 17 so to have an adult play them yeah. wasn't that jarring but these kids are like 13 and oh. they the stunt doubles are six four grown-ass men like
0: they also they're also grown ass white men, when John- <laughs> and Johnny's not. Johnny's not. I just like, like- this is a this is very apparent when they get uh, on the snowboarding mountain oh, yeah. because oh they will cut to an action shot where he's snowboarding, and I'm like, that's a six foot tall white dude.
2: Like, I and don't- they they don't even try to hide it. I <laughs> just don't understand why they couldn't get women to do it. <laughs> oh, oh man,
0: it is so. Like they literally don't even make an attempt.
2: They just put to him in the die. same outfit. Like, yeah, cut him to dead the
0: dead on. Like they, <laughs> they don't they don't shoot from the back, right? Like and have him wear a wig. They shoot dead on, and that guy's got a fucking buzz cut. And
2: you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's Johnny. No, He's got red well, hair. To be, to give the credit, they put him in a red jacket, and Johnny also had a red jacket <laughs> on. So
1: that's the same. <laughs>
2: Like Wait. put Johnny
0: in—he's snowboarding in these scenes. Put him in a helmet and like big ass face goggles. Like it could be so easy. Instead, they're like nah, he puts on—he wears like a little beanie that definitely shows all of his details. Yep.
1: Oh, there is so nothing good. that it, that sort of annoyed me, and I don't know. I mean, it made me chuckle. Is when Johnny finishes the contest, he wins. Obviously, obviously he yeah, has to. Johnny obviously Capahala he's, wins.
2: He's- Inherited his grandfather's skills.
1: Yeah, for sure. Little Kapahala, as it is, is meeting his friends and family, Sans' dad, on the beach. And one thing that I noticed and wrote down was, if you look at this beach scene, there are zero footprints exiting the water. None at all. And there are a shitload of footprints where they had to do this scene take over and over and over and over and over again, because that entire beach is churned where they were like, no, you should exit from this angle, exit from this angle, enter from this angle. And Johnny just like standing in one spot the entire time.
2: Well, Johnny, Alan, if
0: you look behind you and only see one set of footprints, it's because <laughs> you carried me. I carried you. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well
3: fucking done. <laughs>
0: That's, you know, that has nothing to do with what you're saying, but it's all I thought of when you start talking about foot footprints in the sand. Is maybe really like, if you look behind you and you only see one set, brother. Oh my it god! Is that, anyway. It is that. Oh. It is
2: then when I carried you. Yeah, I but you. I, w- I, I you. would like the image of you carrying Alan for <laughs> 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 oh my god. Oh, this is, this is a good. This is a good discussion point. But we are 3 minutes into the, three minutes into the <laughs> Yeah, that's
0: true. We haven't gotten anywhere. We got to we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll surf on. All right, let's
1: let's get to the central point of the conflict, which oh, is man. Johnny Kapahala <sighs> and his dad. Yeah. So Johnny goes home, and you immediately get the tension through a series of different interactions, right? But mainly it is Johnny's father's absence from his life, most particularly surfing. Johnny's dad, and what is his name? I have to go in like... Pete. Peak. Pete. And Pete. Pete's disdain for Johnny tsunami. Pete's father, Johnny Kapahala's grandfather. You can understand why it was confusing, and I didn't know who was Johnny right off the bat, right? Oh, yeah, it's all confusing. It's just, it's just a tangled web we weave. Johnny's dad, Pete, is a coder, and I think the implication there is like... He's fallen very far from the tsunami tree.
2: I think the implication is that he kind of thinks his dad is like a bum a little bit. Like you get him making comments throughout the film, like when they eventually spoiler alert, go to Vermont. And Johnny's like, oh, I want to call grandpa. And he's like, why? He's probably just surfing. Like he kind of insinuates that his grandpa is kind of lazy and and isn't driven in life. And he just surfs and hangs out at the beach.
0: Well, and specifically, he talks about the amount of money they make, right? Because when Johnny gets home from his surf competition, which dad, as Alan said, wasn't there, dad's working and Johnny, Johnny even tries to like show interest in dad's work, right? He's like, oh, this is the, that network you were working on. And you see dad sort of pause and like decide like, oh, Johnny's showing interest. He's like, yeah, do you want to see? Do you want me to show it to you? And it feels like, oh, we're going to get, like, a dad-son interaction moment. Like, oh, you couldn't be there, but we're going to connect on this thing. And then he's like, yeah, so I can search anything. Let's search something local. How much money do surfers make? And then he's like, $30,000? Do you want to be a poor? (laughs) You can't be a poor. Don't surf. It's a waste of time. And, like, it's just... Here your son was like, dad, tell me about the thing that you're working on. I'm so interested. And you take that opportunity to just shit on his dreams and be like, yep. you're going to be a poor for the rest of your life.
2: Also, Brink was only going to make like 10 grand a year. So surfing <laughs> Pretty is good, more that's, lucrative than skating.
1: So we have that, and I agree, Max. Like, that was the thing that stood out to me. Like, at this point, I really liked Johnny Capahala, which, again, this is two times in a row where I'm actually liking the titular character. Because as we've discussed, DCOMs have not done a good job to date of making their title characters likable. I like Johnny Capahala.
2: This is three. For me. I like Xenon, I like Ben from Smart House, and I like Johnny.
0: It does feel like they made a conscious decision at some point to make these kids more likable. And, like... I, I think that it's, you see a lot of tension with parents. You see a lot of tension with like bullies or other kids, but I, they, they have, it feels like a tone shift that we hit a certain point and they are like, oh, we need to make these kids better kids. Um, and maybe it's because like parents watch along and they're like, oh God, well, you're, te- you're, you're setting a bad example. Who knows why they did it, but these kids are so likable that in just a moment, They're going to tell Johnny Cabajola that they're moving to Vermont, that they're leaving their home, they're leaving Hawaii, and they're Mm -hmm. moving to the East Coast. And this kid is a saint in the way he takes it. I thought
2: the same thing. He literally is so gracious, so kind. It's the middle of the school year, too, which I want to point out, because he has to Mm -hmm. go into a completely new state across an ocean, leave all of his friends, leave the only thing he loves, which is surfing. And And his
0: grandfather, who he loves
2: and literally his reaction is like okay i'm i'm going to go surf now but okay
0: like By the way, they tell him one week before they leave. They don't give him any time. They tell him one week before they leave. And then you see him. He's like, yeah, Molly. He's like, I'm going to go surfing. You see him with his friends where it could be very tempting for him to be like, this is so unfair. This is ridiculous. Like, This is, you know, it's so bad. Like very normal rant for a teenager to go on. Instead, what does he say to his friends? They are all saying that. And he goes, maybe it won't be that bad. Like, he's a saint. This kid yeah. is an actual teenage saint.
2: And <laughs> and back to the, he is very interested and proud of his dad because the reason they have to move to Vermont is the dad, I guess, sold some of his software that he works on or he got a big contract... Um, to manage the software that he works on. I'm not 100% sure what the software does.
1: Mm. It's Google.
2: I don't know if it is. It's a closed it network. Google? It's a closed yeah, it's network. it's a search, search engine. engine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the contract that the dad got is at this prestigious private school in Vermont and Johnny before they tell him he has to move to vermont but immediately is like that's so awesome dad good for you and like i gotta tell you as a 13 year old kid i don't think i give a shit about my parents jobs yo yeah. like I,
3: like oh no
2: and he was very invested and very proud of his dad for you know getting this this project so yeah. Yeah. again and teenage listen, saint
1: i think it's been established that I know Molly you you grew up in what you know pretty much one one spot Max I don't know but fairly the same for you no moved around I never
0: moved I mean I
1: moved houses I never moved towns yeah like I moved a lot right and I can say that like my tolerance for moving got progressively lower with every move right Mm -hmm. and but I never but again as both of you also know like my communication style was not to just come out and say it I was hyper passive aggressive about it because like I don't get a say in it anyway Like, what is, what is me talking about it going to change? The reality is it changes nothing. What it does is it allows you to sort of excise those negative thoughts and that's good, right? You should do that. But when I, when I watched this movie and again, for for a first time viewer, I was like, God, if I had seen this as a kid, I would have felt like such an asshole with how I had handled my moves Mm. because I like, I did not handle them well. Like, and I've done a middle of the school year move twice. Like, and that's shitty, Front to back, it is just like him. And we'll get to this later. But him sitting alone at the the cafeteria table, like hit me in a very real and raw way. Like, so I was like, God, like I feel like an ass. So like it's for me watching. I was like this kid I love in that moment. I was like, I love Johnny Capahala. This kid is great. And his grandfather drives it home later.
0: Oh, his grandfather is wonderful because a, he oh. naturally goes to his grandfather who, you know, only encourages him, who says, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is a good thing. There's opportunity. Um, he, you know, he's like, you know, there was that storm that was about to blow in. You thought it was gonna ruin the championship, but it probably created the wave that let you win. Like it is everything is an opportunity. Everything has the silver lining. My my favorite quote also comes from this scene, though, too, where he holds out again the the medal for being the best surfer in Hawaii, and, and he right. says, "And person, the best, the best person given <laughs> this award, the the, or at least a person that was given this award,
1: the only person given the award,
0: the only person given <laughs> this award." Um, he holds it out and he's like, You have to come back and win this thing. And I don't think they give them for surfing the internet. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Uh, one thing that I took away, and I actually wrote this down, and he was like, You know, why I call you Pono because Pono means goodness. And he was like, You always see the good in things. And I was like, First of all, I've learned something that Pono means goodness. Very mm-hmm. cool. I will carry that forward. Thank you, DCOM, for teaching me something. Second of all, way to just like, sell that relationship in such like a good and pure way. Like I gave you your nickname because you as a person see the good in things. And I'm going to remind you of that with this nickname so that you keep doing it. Like that's solid right there. That hit me right in my feels. So they have this incredible interaction. And then ultimately there is this very fast cut to like, I got to get in the car timeout real quick. As somebody who's moved a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, one week between moves would be fucking chaos
2: yeah none of their house is packed up
1: nope nothing none,
0: none of his stuff is packed
1: up he didn't even know they were moving not a singular box literally made or unmade and
2: they're making a like cross-country move
1: cross oceanic farther than that like, i mean <laughs> like you got to fly over that pacific ocean and then then and only then i assume hit la and then fly from there, and I'm, I'm guessing it's probably not direct from L.A. to Vermont. Eh, it might be. But it's certainly not direct from Hawaii to Vermont. God, To no.
2: Burlington, probably. I just flew into that airport. It's nice. There you go. There oh. you go. Like the
1: coat factory. It baffled me that they had a week. So they end up arriving at the house in Vermont. And I think it was a throwaway line that I went back and caught. And it was the dad. Pete mentioned something like, they've taken care of the car. They've taken care of the furniture. They've taken care of the da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, all right. I assume it means they hired a moving company because, as somebody who's had a lot of experience this, with this, like the company typically hires a moving company to help you go. Not at all true. They've literally furnished this house.
2: I think it was a rental house. Well, they like just a don't, furnished uh, rental house.
1: Listen, that that company must be doing well. Pete's company that is doing network consulting. Well, I, mean, I guess it is the late '90s with the new internet. So yeah, they should be. But any case, they arrive in Vermont. Johnny's taking it rather well. Except that he didn't come dressed for the weather. Yeah, you know.
2: Silly Johnny in his Hawaiian Ugh. shirt. How
0: cold could it be?
1: <laughs> yeah, that never ends with it being warm. It only ends with it being cold. I think the only thing we get sort of is Johnny showing his rebellion, and this is the only thing that I caught, was that he like he stamps a surfing poster over the snowboarding poster or the skiing poster in his bedroom.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like
1: as a, as a singular show of rebellion. Again, I identified with that a lot as a kid who's moved a lot. I was like, I'm going to do the one thing that keeps like that I own the space and like, I'm going to take ownership of the space by doing this thing. Right. So
2: what were your, what were your posters of?
1: Uh, I didn't have a lot of posters. What I had were things that I would take from school to school. So like it was mostly work that I had done that like had gotten a good grade or something. So I would have it on display in the space. And then like, I would make sure it was prominently displayed because it like, for me, it was a timeline of the, like the places I've been in the work I'd done.
2: Did you put that in your bedroom or at school? Bedroom. Okay. I was like, doesn't feel like a good way to make friends if you brought that to school.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to, l- let me let you we'll know the all these
2: fucking A's I've gotten. Hey, don't fuck <laughs> with me. Listen, you want to just,
1: let me in, let just, there is no good way to make friends when you move that frequently. I'm just going to be very real with you. Like there's, there's not a good way. It typically takes like a kid having the gumption to be like, that kid's new. I'm going to go say hi, which is nine times out of 10 behind the scenes secret, a teacher asking that kid to do it. Aww. So like, And then it's a role that Isla's like, Yahtzee, you made a friend with somebody. So that doesn't... Actually, it is heavily implied that that does happen for Johnny here when he goes to Skyline, the private school. So another real moment, right?
2: Which, as they go to Skyline, the dad, this just once again illustrates the differences between Johnny and his dad. Though I don't think they... I mean, they have a bad communication relationship, but they don't... They're not mean to each other in the way that some of the other (laughs) parent-son relationships we've seen are. Because the dad's just focused on the wrong things. They don't have a lot of common ground, but the dad's like so excited for Johnny to go to the school because he would have loved to go to the school as a kid. It's kind of the opposite of Can of Worms where the dad was more of a jock and the kid was more of a nerd. It's the opposite Mm -hmm. where the dad is more of the nerd Mm -hmm. and the kid's more of the jock. And he's like, this is such a prestigious prep school. It'll help you with all these things. I would have loved to go here. And Johnny, Mm -hmm. once again, being an angel child is like, okay dad i'll give it a shot like just sure sounds to good know. to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep uh did you but uh, i don't know how like much attention but you're paying to the music at this point but so up until now the music has been very sort of like low-key like the margaritaville vibe steel drums etc for like hope you're in hawaii it's very tropical and then the minute you see skyline it is the preppiest princess diary shit i have ever heard in my entire life so like they for me i made a note like specifically they nailed the music transitions to set tone like mm. right off the rip they nailed I, that.
0: I i think this the the soundtrack of this film is good mm-hmm. they use a bunch of different feelings i noticed like when they get to snowboarding there's a lot of like ska music yep. you know they they definitely put the right Feeling of a uh, soundtrack to different sections and sort of made the settings stand out from one another uh, auditorially,
1: like without even any uh, dialogue. They, they did a really good job there. And you are introduced to Johnny at school. I think there are two main things that you really pick out here. One, you pick out that Johnny senses the difference in setting by how pineapple is served, which I thought was just a really sort of funny through line, because up until now, he's been eating like pineapple right off the fruit. It's cut into wedges, and then he gets to the cafeteria line, and the cafeteria's like, would you like apple sauce or pineapples? And she, he's like, hell yeah, pineapple. I fucking love pineapple, lady. You don't even fucking know what you've unlocked within me. I love fucking pineapple. And she's like, nobody likes pineapple as much as I do. Not a singular person on the planet Earth likes pineapple like I fucking like pineapple. So she whips out the ladle, which is not <laughs> just her pineapple, and just hits him with the pineapple slop and the, yeah. he's like he's like ma'am i'm sorry that's not pineapple she's like it sure is kid And am like and it says hawaii, hawaii on the can it, it says
0: hawaii pineapple hey real quick question are you all allergic to pineapple do you get the burn
2: i don't like pineapple but i'm not allergic to it
0: I'd, you don't you don't get the you don't get the roof mouth burn if you eat fresh pineapple. I mean, the roof of my mouth tingles, Maybe. but I didn't know that was an allergy. I don't know
2: that I've eaten enough fresh pineapple to mm. speak. I it's love not fresh pineapple, favorite. but it's it hurts hurt. my mouth.
1: Yeah, it hurts mm-hmm. like it
2: Suffer burns, but I didn't
1: know it was bad.
0: A lot of people have very minor allergy to pineapple and and the roof of your mouth will get that burn. Huh. Uh, roof roof of mouth
1: bumps, as they say. Interesting. There's something mm-hmm. new. Uh, and then i think the second thing that we we get introduced to in the school is xenon
2: yeah xenon is here storms the return
1: this is a good community theater movie because
0: you will not only do you get xenon but you'll get uh lee johnson later and like these are very regularly occurring actors and actresses in the disney sphere
2: and if you aren't familiar maybe you miss xenon maybe you know kirsten storms from being on days of our lives because she played a recurring character <laughs> on that show Jesus, called Fell black eight. um oh and and she played alongside a, a gentleman named marshall teague who actually played a multitude of characters on days of our life Because um, much like DCOMs, Days of Our Lives is a community theater where the same actors... The show's been going since like the 60s. The same actors play multiple characters
3: throughout
2: Days of Our Lives. But Marshall Teague, you may know him as um, Colonel Davis in the hit film Armageddon.
0: Great. Uh Yeah.
2: And um, if you've seen Armageddon, like I've seen Armageddon, then maybe you know... Ken Hudson Campbell, who plays Max in Armageddon, and I want to shout out a little bit to the DCOM Community Theater because that's also our favorite shop owner from Under Wraps.
0: Oh, okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, Ken Hudson Campbell was also a wolf in the um, wolf? early '90s Jungle he Book. He was a wolf in the early '90s uh, live-action rendition of Jungle Book Mowgli story. Like
0: voice acted a wolf. Yes. Or he was at. He was like a physical. He was a wolf.
2: Uh, I believe he voice acted the wolf um, for the live action Mm. version of the Jungle Book that came out in the early 90s. It was called Jungle Book Mowgli Story and the breakout star of that film who played Mowgli amongst these animals was Brandon Baker who is none other than Johnny Capahala. You've been Armageddoned. The part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't.
1: Ah, wow. there you go. Good job on
3: this.
0: You've just been Armageddoned. Yeah, six degrees of Armageddon.
2: That Thank one was you. good.
0: You did a good job. Pretty good. That
2: one was short. Well done. Pretty good. I, I cannot say the same for geniuses.
1: Great. Good. This is can't,
2: a is a long walk for a drink of water. Can't, <laughs> I gotta can't tell you why. so exciting. I
1: can't, I, I can't wait. That Wikipedia you race know, had to be wild.
2: We're
0: just feeling. Um, we're just really feeling the community theater come to life here. I think more and more of these characters. You know, last in Smart House we had angie who is katie you know now we've got xenon making her appearance again we've got lee thompson young who will go on to be the famous jet jackson being in this like disney has found their stars they have found the people that they want to make movies with and they are just putting them in everything like why why find new people
2: and i also want to point out we yeah we do meet xenon who her name's emily
0: Yes, movie, Emily. Emily, yep.
2: she's the cool girl. She's the hot girl in school. Um, but we also meet this movie's little asshole whose name is Brett.
1: Fucking Brett. Brett,
2: Brett which is like a good bully name.
1: God, I knew Brett. so many Bretts growing up at and so different schools. And
2: Brett, as soon as Johnny gets introduced to the class, she's like, Why don't you tell us about Hawaii or whatever? And Brett and his friends make fun of Johnny from being from Hawaii. And I just was like, Really? Like, that's like a cool-ass place. Like, I understand kids are assholes, but it feels like Hawaii is, like, universally known as a really cool place, and the fact that he's like, Hawaii, what the fuck? I was like, really,
1: bro? 100%. I mean, I was born in Alabama.
2: Not a cool-ass
1: place. Not a cool-ass place. I mean, for anybody who lives there, listen. Still love you. But objectively, not a cool place. Objectively, Hawaii is better than Alabama. Hawaii is so much better than Alabama. So whenever I move somewhere, people are like, "Hurdy, hurdy, her." Where's your accent? And I was like, "Well, I lost it, so that people like you wouldn't deduct fifty IQ points from me on immediate on immediately meeting me." But also, like, if I was from Hawaii, you can't like hurdy 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 where's your accent that accent's fucking cool
2: what are you making fun of hey, the hey. fact that he goes surfing and like lives on the beach like they make sure? fun of yeah. his
0: shirt his shirt is loud and floral and they make fun of his shirt they do
2: they also it's a cool shirt brett hits him with this line i don't know if you guys wrote this down you're in america now dude hey brett brett's an idiot hey that's brett a fucking idiot. i'm gonna do some geography lessons with you that's part of america dipshit like you're a moron.
1: Like Brett, I think Brett is objectively the preppy, will ultimately become a frat boy idiot. Like that is his archetype right off the bat. And did you all notice Did you all notice
0: how much taller everyone else in this movie is than Johnny Kamala? Yes! <laughs> yes, because I did. All of these other kids, and like it's good for the bully feel, but it's not just Brett. Every kid in this movie is a foot taller than Johnny Capahala, except maybe Carson Storms. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone else is a foot taller than him. It's wild, actually.
1: It is It is crazy. And after this introduction, we have a couple of minor interactions in the school setting, but I think ultimately what it leads to is they find themselves at the top of the mountain for uh, what would be the second of so many fucking Montages. This mm. movie has so many montages. We've actually missed the first, which was the surfing montage of the contest. And we've now gotten to the second, which is top of the mountain skiing. Montage count up to two.
2: This movie is like plot wedged within montages. Like
1: That's true. Right off the bat, Johnny lies, which I don't love, about, yeah, I can ski in an effort to fit in. I mean, listen, been there. Literally been there. And not about skiing. Right, but other things, and is taken to the slopes with Brett, Brett's version of Gollum, and <laughs> Emily. I don't know what the sidekick's name is. I'm just call I just call him Spike Eared Gollum. And you just know shit's about to go down. You've seen that Johnny can't hold his balance on the skis. He can't hold his balance in the ski lodge. He falls over, knocking over things like dominoes, just ping ponging on the walls. Emily sort of exits to fix her ski. I don't know enough. I don't know anything about skiing. I'm just gonna say fixes the ski. Brett and Gollum exchange a look, and they're like. I know some dickery's about to go down. And they push Johnny Kapahala on his skis down a fucking mountain.
2: Yeah, they to could have fair, actually... He was going to go down them anyway. But they could have actually murdered him this time. I I did write that compared to some of these other bullies, like Can of Worms and Smart House, like I feel like pushing somebody at the top of a mountain is actually dangerous.
0: Listen, I'm not here. I I, I think Brett's a dick. But I I have a little bit of a hard time with us taking fault with Brett. Obviously, you shouldn't have pushed him, okay? But us finding fault with Brett pushing Johnny, who's wearing skis and who has said he knows how to ski, down a mountain pass made for skiing that dozens of other people are skiing down. Like, yes, he he like you know, it's dangerous, don't get me wrong, but like, it's designed for skiing. He's wearing skis, he said he knows how to ski. It's not like they push him off the side of the mountain where there's no, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's
2: slightly different.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a prison of his own making situation. I, I don't like it, but I see where you're coming from. I
2: guess this is my own trauma from the one time I went skiing and I hated it so much. That, let me tell you, if someone pushed me on the skis, I would have been very sad and probably hurt because I have gone skiing once in my whole life. I couldn't figure out how to stop. Don't you at me with the pizza cutter bullshit. And I hated it. And I never want to go again. And if anyone ever wants to go skiing, have fun. I'll be in the lodge drinking a boozy hot chocolate. But I did want to ask, have you guys been skiing?
1: Nope. I have not. Literally
2: never. Or snowboarding.
1: Nope. No. No, no, no winter sports for me in general.
2: So yeah. I, I think we could cross that off for the Man Fam travel video series. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah probably yeah. not going to do winter sports. Listen,
1: if somebody wants to see us inside of a cozy lodge, each of us partaking in our own favorite food and beverage, then I think yeah. that's an excellent, excellent uh, trip. But to actually go and partake? No, not at all.
2: The, the, the risk of falling down is very high. With you know skiing. who
1: learned that? Johnny. He fell down. He hurt his job. He should
2: have died. <laughs> to be fair like he should have died and i'm not saying it's because brett pushed him that didn't help but like he's never been on skis before he ends up in the like restricted sections and like going off of oh cliffs. yeah and yeah, like yeah. he should be dead
1: at it's- least injured at least well the injury that he has is like my back hurts and i don't like there is a scene where you see him like whip his knees bend at a weird angle and he like pow, into the snow i was like Ah like for me I'm like that's so many injuries. Yeah, that 6 foot 2 white guy really could uh, handle those skis. Yeah. yeah, he he is a stunt double as well as skier. The only thing we get out of this scene is that Brett now has additional license to poke fun at Johnny because Johnny's bad at skiing. It serves as the mechanism with which to to establish sort of a foundational sympathetic relationship with Emily, which we see yeah. play out the following day when Johnny Decides to like break his school uniform because that's when he gets it and he's like, this is too stuffy I'm gonna wear my Hawaiian shirt under my school uniform.
2: I liked the brave fashion choice He made to wear his Hawaiian shirt under the school uniform because one it looked cool Two I like somebody that expresses themselves and their unique personality through their clothes and three the kids made fun of his shirt yesterday And he's like fuck you. I'm still wearing this shirt Like it Mm -hmm. showed that he didn't care that they were being to him,
0: but he does get sent to the principal who because he broke dress code they mm-hmm. clearly have a uniform and uh, was anyone else ready for the principal to drop some seriously sexist garbage was anybody uh i did not have
1: I, it on my list of things that i was waiting for there was another thing that i also was not prepared for uh max but i'll let you talk about the the incredible dialogue that we just got from the principal or i'm sorry max let's address him with this proper title headmaster
0: no i actually thought the principal was good in this scene what i expected him to say when he said was when he said like do you know why we wear a dress code i i expected him to talk about distractions and Ooh. and you know Boys not being focused on the girls and all the other bullshit that we have heard throughout, you know, the last several decades and, and the nineties. I was ready for some real sexist garbage. Instead, he talked about like, hey, focus on studies, everybody's on even playing field, yada, yada. I didn't think it was horrible, but maybe that's because I was focusing, I was expecting some real like sexism shit to come out of his mouth we grew up with
1: like like hey we have this dress code because of sexism because you can't control yourself man you know like i did not and could not place his accent for the longest time and then after our first viewing of this film i went and youtubed bernie sanders and that is a exact match (laughs) Like, that intonation, tone, everything. This man has the Bernie Sanders accent
2: down. And you know what? That's commitment because this wasn't even shot in Vermont. This was shot yeah, in crushed. Utah. So good for him for really method acting. I mean,
1: it It like, I I was like, is it New England? Is it Southern? Like, what is it? And then finally, I was like, it's, it's Bernie fucking Sanders. This hey, man crushed. is doing Bernie Sanders, crushing it. And this sort of begins the relationship, right? He going him going to the principal's office, it not being a big deal. He has some interactions with Emily, I'm sorry, Xenon. That sort of established the the friendship and budding romance between the two, much to Brett's dismay because Brett is terrible and is pretty handsy without asking for consent with Emily almost at all times. And we don't like that. We don't approve of that.
2: He's definitely staking a claim to Emily even though I don't Think they're actually in a relationship?
1: No, not agreed. At all. Not at all. In fact, she rebuffs him visibly multiple times throughout this film. And this is when we get introduced to overt classism almost immediately. Because Johnny, on the way home from Skyline, is on the public bus, which no rich kid would ever be on. People in Skyline, and on getting the getting on the bus are a bunch of snowboarders, a bunch of like, and it's an immediate tone switch, right? The people in Skyline are like very. Their language is sort of highfalutin, and then you have like, welcome, bruh, things that Johnny's used to hearing. It's like 15 degrees off the norm for Johnny, but it's a little bit more normalized to his his time in Hawaii. And this is when we get introduced to Sam.
2: The famous Jet Jackson.
1: The famous Jet Jackson. The famous Jet Jackson.
2: It's the famous Jet Jackson.
1: Ultimately, what comes of this is the relationship Is we're establishing Sam as sort of the friend and mentor of snowboarding. And we're also introduced to classism with the Skies and the Urchins. And wow, that was heavy to take in right off the bat. Dude, the Urchins is a wild name. Dude. I was about
2: like, to say that. Like Why did they the,
0: call them that? The like, Skies, I, I understand where that comes from. It's the name of the school. But the Urchins is a wild name. Dude. Because the name of that school is Maple Valley. You could call them the Syrups could call them the mapes like call them anything but <laughs> urchins is a wild name for them to like accept too. like they're like we're the urchins like, there's like pride in that
1: yeah it's i feel like that's a name that was assigned to them and then they took ownership of the name to like to take the power away which again a frequent thing that happens in a lot of isms right mm-hmm. so that was just really heavy to watch play out in a decom. and we are introduced to Johnny learning to snowboard. That's ultimately what he wants to do. And he's introduced this through Sam and montage number three occurs where we get Johnny learning to snowboard under the tutelage of Sam. What are your guys thoughts on Sam? I love
2: Sam. He's awesome.
1: Yeah, he's great. The Sam takes and- him in, instructs him,
0: is a good friend. He gets questioned by somebody else. It's like, when are you going to drop this guy? He's like, nah, he's all right. He's, he's cool. He's like, yeah. he, he sticks up for him.
2: He crosses this imaginary line, this metaphorical line of skiers versus snowboarders, which we find out is literally like the mountain has two sides, like the skiers, get the better side of the mountain than the snowboarders. And he crosses this metaphorical line without hesitation, pretty much like he a little bit is like, are you sure you want to snowboard? And Johnny's like, yeah, like I surf. I think I could snowboard much better than I could ski. I want to learn how to do this. And he's like, all right, man, I got you.
1: Johnny doesn't exactly take to snowboarding. what we see is we see Johnny eating a whole hell of a lot of snow
0: which actually i was kind of happy about like i i think i sort of expected him to instantly be good which he is it doesn't take him long to start doing amazing things on a snowboard you know what i mean like it's not too many scenes from now he's doing sick jumps but like yeah bro. but i think i you know you expect the like grandson of the best surfer in hawaii um to like pick it up and just be good and they watch him eat it like they show him eat it a bunch like over and over and over again eat it eat it eat. to the point where the other kids are like this kid sucks
1: like he's bad at snowboarding it's i think they did such a service to the character of johnny in that regard to be like this kid is all about perseverance in these Mm -hmm. moments Which was very, very good, right? Like I think that sort of helps set him and reinforce a lot of those things notions about him. So we get a montage, number three, where he learns how to snowboard.
2: I I do want to put in just real quick Mm -hmm. a pin and something that happens right before he snowboards. They go into the snowboard shop. Oh Mm. where they meet the clerk owner of the store. Uh, Oh I think this one's
0: Randy. The brothers The other one's Ronnie. The ski shop owner's Ronnie. Okay. And this is
2: Randy. We meet Randy, who owns the ski shop, who knows Johnny Tsunami, he's like, oh, man, you ever, like, for some reason, he brings up surfing, even though it doesn't really make sense, and he's like, there's this guy, his name's Johnny Tsunami, and Johnny is like, oh, that's my grandpa, he gives him whatever he wants in the shop, but I just want to put a pin in that, we meet the kind of stereotypical snowboarder, kind of, like, stoner vibe, long hair, soul patch shop owner, and we already met the ski shop owner, who's the complete opposite, preppy, glasses, polo uptight remember that
1: did you happen to notice how similar they look no hey no spoilers hey we'll get to that we'll get to that later johnny learns how to snowboard and xenon has her interest peak i gotta know what's happening
0: i don't know if i would say interest peak because as i remember he went back to school the next day and he had a snowboard and they were and they said the the skies brett and crew say something about it and he says, "Well, have you ever tried snowboarding?" And they go, "No, we ski." And he's, he's like, "Well, but, but why don't you? And because we ski. That's why." And I just wanted to, I just wanted to grab this. You know, my, I talked about my version of the script in thirteenth year, and um, I have the script right here. Mm-hmm. And on that line, I, it was weird because you know that wasn't what it says in my script. My script says because we're not poor, you know that's
2: my, uh, <laughs> because we have my, money.
0: My script says we're not a poor, so I, I don't know why it says because we sense. ski. You know, he, in mine it says, "Have you ever tried snowboarding?" They say, "No, we're not poor," so it's you know it's weird Which that they changed that. A, like
2: a and wild it's weird implication. That, you got that one yeah. script. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to quickly put in before we get to Emily hitting the slopes again. Um, we do meet. Sam's dad I would like to one click up the single parent counter because it's uh, blatantly stated that Sam's mom passed away Sam's dad is a military man and cool as hell
1: god we love Sam's dad
2: Sam's dad is cool as hell he comes home and he's like what's up I got off work early let's go to a movie Johnny you're welcome to come with us I've heard all about you like he's immediately cool as hell and and the point of this is that Johnny's like wow your dad is cool as hell. Like
0: your dad loves you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, it's just a very clear difference between Johnny and his dad. I did want to shout out Sergeant Sterling.
1: Yeah, Sergeant Sterling's dope. Let's talk about Emily on the slopes. She is speaking also, of somebody that should have died. Yeah, that's
2: true. <laughs> that is true.
1: The, like there is a half montage of her learning, and then she's like. Fuck your montage! I'm gonna go down the hill. I did. She write- jumps off the side of a
0: mountain. Like <laughs> that's not. I'm gonna go down the hill. She's like, we are on a path. I'm out. It just bails off the side of a mountain. Ugh.
2: This is why I don't fuck with snow activities. Okay, it is way too easy to end up hanging on the side of a mountain.
1: <laughs> she does too. Well, there's two kids because you get xenon hanging off the side of the mountain then sam tries to like yell down to give her words of affirmation and the, and the snow breaks out from under his feet which is what you get for throwing out words of affirmation on the side of a cliff and is also hanging from the side of the mountain and it is left to johnny to go and find help
2: first of all they are way too calm they are like oh yeah very calm for literally being what a couple hundred feet up dead they would be dead they're just and they're hanging on like to a tiny rock like wouldn't their hands be cold wouldn't they be slipping kirsten storm still has her fucking snowboard on her feet so she can't like get and an
0: as jet J- jackson reaches down clip it you see his hands slip like
2: also, he's good are they jacked like the upper body strength <laughs> to hold yourself right there for like 10 20 minutes is not nothing
1: let's talk about how well johnny snowboards down the side of this mountain Oh, he oh yeah. he, He's
2: a professional now.
1: Well, yeah. it's his stunt double, certainly. Yeah, is. that white guy is very good <laughs> on the
3: snowboard, <laughs> hitting some. Can I? I actually made a note of this because I feel like they really tried to play a balance on how well the stunt oh, double yeah. was, was was snowboarding because the stunt double eats it a lot to the point at which I was like, "Is him." eating it part of the stunt like that he's just like
0: gets up no problem and continues catching massive air Well, it's always a very, like, gymnastic eating it, right? Like, he'll, like, tumble, but it's a perfect three-turn roll, and then he lands back on the board having not lost any speed at all. You know, like, he he does, like, some crazy, like, back flop and then ends up back on his board and does a sick grab as he jumps a rock. You know, like, it's the most graceful falling you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) Like Stunning.
2: But eventually he gets to a snow patrol guy on a snowmobile. Shout
0: out Snow Patrol, by the way. The soundtrack of the 2000s.
2: (laughs) Snowmobile. Yes, the snowmobile. I don't fuck with cold weather, okay?
0: (laughs) Okay, but that song Chocolate was a
1: banger, am I right? He gets Snow Patrol. Makes their way up the mountain, ultimately rescuing both Xenon and Sam. He does so by throwing a rope over the edge of the cliff, and then without securing it to anything, pulls up both children individually, and I just have to think, he got a dose of the super soldier serum, because he is hoisting those children up by a rope with zero effort.
2: Much like Xenon and Sam on the side of the mountain, they're all jacked. But yeah, I wrote, secure the rope, dipshit. Like... It's just this one ski patrol guy, and I guess Johnny pulling them up, like, secure that mm-hmm. rope on your snowmobile. Yep. Absolutely.
1: And they're rescued. Everybody sort of as, as the high school, or I'm sorry, middle school class, has a reunion, and Sam and Johnny are picked up by Sam's father.
2: Again, these kids are way too calm for almost dying. Mm-hmm. For they're sure. like, "Oh, whoops, daisies. Let's not.: do And we
0: that get another, we get another moment of Sam's dad being great. Where they get in the car and he's like, "I'm so sorry," and he's like, "No, you, you know, you know, I guess I should be proud of you. You what a good you're doing, you know." Because Sam's like, "I was just trying to say I thought I could save her," and and his mm-hmm. dad's like, "You know, I'm I, I'm worried, but I guess I should be proud. You you did a good thing, you know." He he lets Sam off the hook and right. like, "Hey, you were just trying to save your friend. Good for you, you know."
1: There's no shot we're getting Sergeant Sterling being this night without being this nice without getting a direct juxtaposition to Pete being a complete dillweed. Well, Mm -hmm. that's
2: exactly what we get.
1: And boy, did that pay off, like, literally immediately, because then you get Pete and Mel. Mel. Pete and Mel picking up Johnny, and it's literally Pete starts berating Johnny from the rip, like, just going into, and Mel has to be like, hey, maybe you wait until we get home. Like, maybe you just hit pause on this there is such a very clear disconnect that they keep driving home between Pete and Johnny. Like there's something in the same pool, but in wildly different lanes. Right. And it's just over and over and over again. They're driving that home.
2: What I want, what I wrote down is that the mom is the level head. She is the one that calms both Johnny and Pete down in this situation. And I wrote that like most women, she does all of the emotional weightlifting of this family like mm. Johnny's dad Pete cannot figure out why Johnny is the way he is, why they don't have a good relationship. And she's like, "When's the last time you talked to your son about something he's interested in?" Uh, is this when Johnny says, "I'm going to go call grandpa cuz he understands me." I think it is. Mm. Um, and it's like, "Why does he want to be like grandpa?" And she's like, "Your your dad is a wonderful man. He like he's 13 years old, he's going to change what he wants to do in life a million different times. Like she is doing all of the emotional weightlifting for this family.
0: Well, and he's being ridiculous. I mean, he says, first thing he's like, you just can't help being like my father yeah she she's like why would you say that like he adores and loves and respects your father your father's a good man like how lucky should we be for him to want to be like your father right and he's like my father's useless he can't provide anything You know He's he's a bum Or whatever And then she goes you, To your point Molly She's like he, What he loves Is gonna change Like you know Today he loves Snowboarding Tomorrow he's gonna Ask for a drum set And wanna be a rock star And the dad said Don't even joke about that And I I just was like God forbid Your kid be passionate About anything Like God forbid I mean hey How about You know what Pete How about you get Your search engine out And search how much Musicians make Because uh, You know That seems That seems the only determining factor for you is the average salary
1: of something that your kid
0: wants to be interested in it's a freaking hobby bro like let him enjoy it
1: (laughs) and this results in just a whole lot of the widening of that chasm between pete and johnny in these instances we find ourselves the following day back at school i again love Johnny even more because he goes to the headmaster and is like hey i understand you likely heard about what happened yesterday with emily bt dubs i don't know if we've covered this yet Emily is the headmaster's daughter so Johnny is taking it on himself to go meet with the headmaster Emily's father and be like listen I wanted to explain to you what happened yesterday when Emily you know could have died which a uh, pretty like what what a confident move that is we find ourselves back at the slopes where Johnny is gifted the sort of noodle hat that Sam has been wearing up until this point Sam sort of runs out and is like you, just, you, you caught some rad air, bruh. Have this noodle hat as a badge of honor. You're one of us. You're an urchin. Still doesn't feel good to say that sentence. And let's go shred some slopes. And they decide that they're going to go illegally, question mark, shred on the sky side of the mountain, which can only I think what you well. mean to say, Alan, I'm sorry to jump in, is
0: that they're gonna do a sky raid for the fattest run on fresh powder,
1: bruh. True. That is the correct translation, right? Yeah. That is the correct translation. I'm sorry to sorry to correct you. I I mean, no, no. Listen, you have to say it in the correct language. I agree. Yeah.
0: The fattest run.
1: Fattest run. Ph. Uh, yeah, that was to Is it a Ph? Or Much man?
0: like we put two th- C's on thick today. In the '90s, we we spelled fat with Ph. So mm-hmm. for all you, you know uh Gen Zers out there. If you're if you're familiar with if if now you know thick with two Cs, our version of that was fat with a PH. Right. Yeah. Where was.
1: you would say dummy thick. We would yeah. say look at that fat movement. But those fat slopes. Look at that
2: fat ass. But that was a compliment. <laughs> that was a That's compliment.
1: Right. Yeah. Da-da.
0: baby baby fat was a it was a brand it oh, was sure. <laughs> oh sure. my god wow what a core memory that was it was four jump shoes. yep v- jumpsuits
1: uh-huh so we then cut to yet another montage montage count up to five where these definite children <laughs> are shredding down yep. the side of the sky side of the mountain on their sky raid uh and i think we're all like nah, nothing can go wrong here I- Incorrect.
2: I wrote down that Brett was being a sexist asshole, In but I don't remember why.
1: The snowboarders and the skiers end up meeting at, the, at some section towards the base of the mountain slope, and there is an altercation that occurs. Brett and Johnny and Sam exchange words, and I don't necessarily remember the sexism. I remember the racism and mm-hmm. classism that happens immediately, and it is overt, like brett makes a pass at sam being black and then immediately makes a pass at the difference between skies and the urchins what did you say
0: i I miss the racism bit too i
1: I, that's how i read it it might not have been like overt but how i read that scene is i remember him saying something to sam about like some sort of off-color remark and i immediately i was like that feels racist that doesn't feel there's an ism there i didn't i didn't i I might miss it it's all i all i have to say is that they're doing a really good job of painting brett in a very negative light sure in every interaction i think that's the key the key driver here and a fight breaks out
0: yeah they get into a little physical confrontation ultimately resulting of course in uh in the kids getting into trouble in johnny Kapahala being called to the principal's office and his parents being there and ultimately and 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 this is this is why I said I didn't notice it out. That doesn't mean it's not there, is because I think we have seen racism explored in these movies. We've seen some sexism explored in these movies. Um, all, what I noticed basically throughout this movie as the theme was classism. Mm-hmm. And and I think it at it points it, it was worded, the dialogue, the writing made it feel like it it could have been racially charged, but because of who is cast, like you know, I looked at the urchins, if you will, and I think Sam and Johnny are the only people of color in the urchins. I, I, the its not like the urchins are all right. people of color, and then the skies are all the white kids. It's like not the urchins are widely white kids. Like it's—it's mm-hmm. it's mostly white kids, and then you have Sam and Johnny. So that's why I didn't—I didn't read these remarks as racially charged as much as. The, they could have been, uh, but I read them as like class and, and economically charged because I didn't see any kind of like in casting decisions that would make them overtly racist.
1: Right. But it was, and I think specifically when we talk about the headmaster's monologue, when Johnny, Pete, and uh, Mel are in the principal's office, the headmaster's monologue is overtly classist the entire oh, yeah. way through.
0: Yeah, he talks about the, the kids that snowboard, the urchins aren't going to have the opportunities you're going to have. You, know, you need to decide what side you're on. You need to decide who you want to be associated with. You are going to have opportunity that other kids won't. And yeah, that's not fair. Life's not fair. Get on board.
2: Yeah. I, two things. I think I wrote the fact that he was sexist because he was mean to Emily, which may have just been Brett being a little asshole In general but like Emily starts to try and Talk and he shuts her up and he's like Mm. Remember what your dad said like get out of here Like he's like a dick to Emily which Mm. Again much like you're saying Max might just Have been him being a dick But I interpreted it as Him being sexist because he doesn't Want to let Emily speak Um, But then in regards to Yeah they have that long conversation with the principal And then Pete of course gets mad at Johnny And he basically says like It shouldn't be that way the mountain shouldn't be Divided in two and the dad's Like the real world's just like that Good or bad right or wrong that's fact That's just the way it is and I wrote down That like that's just the way It is or that's the way it's always been Is is privilege talking like That is all that is is saying like That's a horrible justification for Anything like that's how People justify doing bad things like that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. And it's like, OK, well, we used to not let women vote like is should we keep doing that? Like mm-hmm. and so right. I wrote down that they blatantly are using that classism and for that sure. privilege um, and Johnny's questioning it, which is what we have done for decades now is it takes people questioning it and being like this is wrong and yeah. I don't care that this is the way it is. We're going to fix it. And we're yeah. seeing that a lot right now. In, in the United States, absolutely
1: stand up to privilege where it t- where it is taken root. Like tear out privilege by the root, right? Like it's it's the same thing. We're like boys will be boys, bullshit. Like no, fuck that. Pull that up by the roots. Not cool.
0: I'm gonna I want to come back to this in just a minute, though. This is a this is a related <laughs> pin to the one that Molly left earlier. Uh, we're gonna come back around, but this scene does make it feel like I mean the principle uh, basically alludes to the urchins versus the skies, right? Mm-hmm. And the and then she sides mount. And what you get the sense of is that like, this is a long standing tradition between these two groups of people. And that like, this is something that everyone has dealt with that he dealt with if he grew up here, that like, this is a multi-generational thing that like, to your point, it's like, this is just the way it's always been, right? So we'll we'll come back to that pin in just a minute. If it wasn't bad enough with Johnny getting into trouble, with him being basically like, you know, grounded, like told like, oh, you got to pick between your friends or whatever. He then finds out that Sam, because he's a military kid, is moving away. That He's moving to Iceland, that his dad is being shipped off.
2: I want to point out, this is not the important part of this, uh, but Sam had earlier said that every time his dad makes the move which is frequent it's somewhere cold and so johnny's like are you at least moving somewhere warm this time and he's like iceland and they're like oh man but isn't iceland historically like not cold like isn't greenland icy yeah, I mean, and iceland's iceland green? green yeah that's yeah
0: isn't that the thing it is, but it is but it's cold i mean it's it's, so it's very northern it's not you know they
2: i know it's it's not the tropics but i just thought it was funny that they decided to do iceland which they obviously did for the joke of it being called iceland Mm -hmm. but like i just remember learning in history class that like yeah the the irony that those are actually kind of opposite each other
0: right totally this entire oh go ahead sorry you get the dichotomy of mom and dad in this Mm -hmm. scene which is you know johnny finds out his best friend the one that, that that bridged the gap uh, is moving away, and Mom's like, "I'm so sorry. That's got to be so hard." And Dad's like, "Good,
2: <laughs> like that's dad, a dick right now." God. Dad's like a Dad hits like the the dickiest he is in the whole movie right now because like. He literally is like, oh, your one friend you made here in this new place I uprooted you to in the middle of the school year. I'm glad he's leaving.
0: Yeah, he's like, this will be good for you that he's leaving. It's It literally felt like mom's like, I'm so sorry. And dad just goes, good riddance. <laughs> Get that kid out of here.
2: Get along with your own peers and not the urchins. Like the dad is like bought mm-hmm. in to the classism.
0: Yeah, you got to learn how to get along with people like you. Like, yeah, it's wild.
1: He is at the like at the climax of his assholery in this segment of the film. And because it continues to get like it, it only maintains this level of bad and gets slightly worse when what happens next occurs. And that is he and Johnny have an argument, as they should, because Johnny's finally standing up for himself in a actual res- respectful way, I might add, where he's mm-hmm. like, you actually don't get it. This is like, he is my friend. Like, it's not good to wish him away from me. Like, that's not what my dad would do. And I'm like, that's actually what a very real and kind way of putting that for a a preteen. Like, good for you. Johnny kind of goes off the rails when he calls up Sam and is like, let's run away. Not just let's run away. Let's sneak
0: on to a military transport. And by the way, we don't get to see any of it. Like, they cut to them in Hawaii, and they're like, yeah, we snuck onto a military plane. And I'm like,
2: oh, you left that out. <laughs> How lucky it is that in Vermont, of all places, <laughs> there's a military transport going straight to Hawaii. What a ridiculous...
3: How lucky for uh, them. What does that say about military security? That's oh, what it's I was bad. thinking. It's
2: so it's bad. But yeah, they sneak, and they run away to Hawaii and of course they go stay with grandpa who is a real one and they're like grandpa are you gonna send us back and he's like nah you'll you'll go when you're ready like grandpa's really doing some gentle parenting right now and he's like I'm not gonna force you to go back so grandpa is a real one he calls up Pete who's a dick (laughs) and he's like you have to admit this is you know like he's kind of like they're fine they're safe but like you have to admit this is pretty ingenious that they got literally like halfway around the world and the dad is like no it shows stupidity and i can only imagine you welcomed him with open arms and i wrote this down because the grandpa's like look i hate to stop this fight before we get to the later rounds but this isn't about us and i just thought that was such a good line from grandpa yeah and like bro can you freaking chill for one second like i understand you're stressed because your son ran away but like this is not about us ultimately this conversation ends by grandpa saying like they're safe they're here i'm not sending them back to you until they're ready because this is just going to happen over and over again let them figure it out and i promise you they will which of course pete is furious about but turns out grandpa's made the right decision there
0: not only i mean pete gets furious about it he blows up and then (laughs) and then we get mom who is (laughs) mom who finally loses it mom's been holding it in mom's been the emotional weightlifter here she's been the supportive parent we saw mom at the beginning of the movie at johnny's surfing competition mom throughout this whole thing has been like oh i'm so sorry johnny that your best friend like mom has been there every step of the way and finally mom loses it on pete and it's like somewhere along the way the person that i married got lost you are a joyless unkind human and i don't care that you make money i'd give that money up for you to not be so miserable all the time who even are you and And i was like i was like damn not to take this back to the 13th year, but when you think the last time they knocked knees were like, this is not a healthy relationship going on here right now.
2: And then, and then Pete does the worst thing he's done in this entire fucking movie. His wife is unloading all this emotional trauma that she has been trying to navigate. And he says, don't you think you're being a little dramatic? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. As a woman, there is that is condescending, that is patronizing, oh, yeah. that is gaslighting her emotions. This is why women don't get as far in business, because the minute they raise their voice and get heated, it's like, whoa, 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 why don't you just calm down? Whereas if a man did that, well, he's certainly a ball buster, and look how aggressive he is. There is no worse fucking thing you can say to a woman who's heated and telling you how she feels than something along the lines of aren't you being a little bit dramatic and why don't you calm down i didn't like pete this whole movie and now i want to punch him in his dumb face because holy shit that is the worst thing he could have said right there pete is
1: just the like just the worst in this moment and there was I, I have a lot of struggle. Like, I, I identify with a lot about this film for, like, the relationship aspects of, of these films. And I'm not going to dive into that too deeply. But this was just a moment for me where I was like, God, Pete fucking sucks.
3: Pete
1: and sucks. I, like, there, there's, like, there's no way this dude makes a 180. There's no way we come back from this. We'll put a pin in that. And then cut back to Hawaii.
2: Yeah, cut back to Hawaii. We don't have to drag this out too much, but they have a nice time in Hawaii. Grandpa says he's not going to send them back until they're ready. Uh, Grandpa and Johnny teach Sam how to surf. Uh, Johnny being the good kid he is, sees his old friends and they're like, come on, the sweet waves coming, like come surf it with us. And he is going to go head out with them. But then he sees that his grandfather is going to teach his new friend how to surf. And he decides to blow off this really cool wave to teach Sam, uh, how to surf to kind of return the favor. He taught him how to snowboard. Now he's going to teach him how to surf. And then, um, they have some good heart to hearts, Johnny and, and grandpa and, Uh, He says, like, I'm sure you were doing a good job. You know, you're so good at taking what life throws at you. I'm sure that, like, you guys, you know, had a lot going on. You got overwhelmed. But I think, you know, everything will turn out. You guys are good kids. And they decide that they're going to go back. They decide, like, I guess it's kind of at the urging of Grandpa who says, like, I know you're going to bring glory to the family name, but like, I want you to find your own dreams. I guarantee you will carry our family legacy even further than I did. Um, It's just like, once again, the grandpa being the most wonderful character.
1: The grandpa has like mastered empathy, right? In a way that is really, really sweet to watch play out because he's the conversations that he has are not forceful. They're very much like, let me, help you work yourself around the issues that you're facing and come to the logical conclusions that you know are the logical conclusions, right? Let, let me help you get there. I'm not going to force you to the finish line, but I'm going to put you in on the right lane in which to run to get you there the most efficient way possible, because that is my responsibility as the adult, which is incredibly nice to watch play out because a lot of what we see happening in decoms, the tropes are, parents are attempting to force something on the child and the child resists even if what the parent wants is right it doesn't matter what matters is the approach that's what we've learned thus far through all the dcoms and what we get from johnny tsunami grandpa johnny tsunami or mr tsunami as sam calls him is the parent going hey man listen here's the deal like let's just think about this in a different way from a different perspective and the kid's like hey logical conclusion i'm there now which is just amazing to watch play out and not only do they decide to both go back to Vermont, Grandpa Tsunami also goes to Vermont and has some bitchin' boots when he arrives.
2: Oh, yeah, he's wearing Uggs. He started Uggs, I'm pretty sure.
1: He started Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> tsunami Uggs. So they arrive in Vermont, and nobody is more stunned that Johnny Tsunami is in Vermont than Pete.
0: Yeah, Johnny Kabahawa is like... I bet you're mad, huh? And Pete's like, we'll talk about it when I get over the shock of seeing my dad here. Like he is (laughs) absolutely floored
1: that Johnny Tsunami has arrived in Vermont. Part of me thinks that this was a decision made by the writers because they're like, what would happen? How we've set up Pete to be a really big villain at this point, like where can Pete go now? Outside of like anger and yelling because we've already seen him do all that. We have to put a buffer for when Johnny Kapahala arrives back in Vermont, we have to put a relationship buffer to stop Pete from escalating. Because what we've what we've set in place is that Pete just escalates. Mm-hmm. So let's put in this buffer of Johnny Tsunami, so that way, like Pete can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he hits full stop because he's got that something else him. to worry about.
0: It allows for resolution too, because not long after they get back, we see Johnny Tsunami outside. Uh, Johnny Kapahala j- joins him outside, and then he says something that I think is actually pretty interesting. He says, "You know, he's talking about how beautiful it is in Vermont," which is is uh, kind of a, a a different perspective than what we got when the family move there is like, oh, it's not, it's, it's the opposite of Hawaii, right? And like giant tsunami says, oh, it's so beautiful. And then he goes, I think I can see more stars here than Kilauea. And I don't know if you all know this, but the island that Mount Kilauea is on has a ton of observatories on it. It's one of like two places on earth that they are able to study stars. To the level that they are it is very notable for how many stars and like the planets they are able to see from right next to mount kilauea so it's sort of an interesting mention like i don't know if they're trying to just give undue credit to vermont but the idea that they could see more stars than at mount Kilauea is basically like unrealistic <laughs> is what i'm saying like, like no it's fucking fantasy try. right like it's not even like, oh, wow, it's really beautiful like Kauai. It's like, no, this is one of the only places on Earth that you
1: can see this many stars. Right. I think it's, again, it's Grandpa Tsunami using hyperbole for good, right? Yeah. He's like, hey, Johnny, be Pono again. You have to yeah. find the good in things, yeah. right? So, like, we're looking at stars together. I'm si- it, Like, it's, again, I think it's such a brilliant bit of writing for Johnny Tsunami to do that and drop that line because I also did that little bit. Of, I was like, why would they mention that? And that's when I was like, oh, shit. Um... But not only that, we get Johnny Tsunami and Pete having a great conversation. And this is when Johnny Tsunami, like, does some incredible parenting for Pete the parent. And he's like, Pete, this is what got me. Like, this, is, this conversation got me in the feels right off the bat. And it was like, Pete, when you got out of the water, that hurt me. Because I knew you would never get back in the water. But I didn't force you to go back in. I just wanted you to do what made you happy. And I was going to support you in doing that, whatever it was, because getting in the water wasn't what you wanted. And Pete was like, I guess surfing skips a generation, da 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 da. da. And, you know, Johnny and I made a great, he was like, well, my, your, your grandfather hated the water, right? Like, it, there was some quippiness involved, but it was ultimately like a great lesson in parenting from a, a already sort of tumultuous relationship that we see established. And we're also seeing mirrored now in Pete and Johnny Kapahala, right? Like it was, it was sort of like this great sort of turning of the mirror on that relationship. And I thought that was so brilliantly written. And I was not expecting that out of this decom in the slightest. I was like, God, that's brilliant.
2: Well, he says, Pete says he's just a kid. And Johnny Tsunami says he's a kid, but he does something better than just about anybody talking about surfing, talking about how Johnny is this incredible surfer. And he's like, if you take that away from him, you take that part away from him. And, you can't force him to like what you like. I never forced you to like what I like. And I know we have this tumultuous relationship, but you have to move forward. He also says what's done is done between us. Like stop letting our friction carry over into the next generation. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the man you've become, but like you need to let this go that you can control Johnny because you're you're ultimately hurting Johnny. And mm-hmm. I don't think Pete is a bad person. He doesn't want to hurt his son and he's never thought of it like this all he can think about is my dad dropped out of school because of surfing i didn't like surfing i don't want my son to be a bum so i'm gonna try and shut down surfing and it isn't until his dad frames it this way that he realizes he's actually hurting his son
0: yeah i just like that they acknowledge and like like resolve some of this generational trauma because if you remember in the halloween town episode we talk about how the mom and the like there's clearly a reason she resents halloween town and it never gets acknowledged it never gets resolved this like parent grandparent thing is not new but they actually acknowledge it and and like seek resolution on it give it some direction to go in a healthy place and we see it start to pay off as the film resolves right and and it's nice that they at least like they do something with it that they they steer that thing in a good
1: direction it also makes sense for the character changes we see take place right yeah i think a lot of the issues that we had with things like halloween town where you saw these types of things is like characters would change and there was no reason for them to make those changes yeah and in in that, now in johnny tsunami like this conversation is the catalyst for a lot of behavior change that we see play out in some of our characters that we previously would have yeah. not really liked
2: yeah before ralph brink's dad goes to therapy off screen is what we said but now pete goes to the church of johnny tsunami yeah <laughs> and right. he, and he watched it All on screen. screen yeah but the uh, the next scene is Johnny and Johnny mm-hmm. going to oh my god yes I love uh, that. surfing and yeah. Johnny young Johnny is like I'm supposed to uh, I'm grounded and Johnny Tsunami's like well weren't you taught to listen to your elders I'm you know I'm elder and I say we're gonna go shred on this mountain right now
1: which is just like I think this is when we're introduced to what is such a big plot twist for. Johnny Capahala is like holy shit my grandpa knows how to snowboard because they go to the snowboard shop they're introduced to Randy he's like oh my god bro we've got Johnny Tsunami in my shop this is gonna be incredible this is crazy bro crazy hook him up with all the gear and uh, what do they do immediately go shred on the sickest side of the mountain in a sweet hey, yo, montage
2: <laughs> that's hey, right
1: go. and another montage with two with like two very clearly white stunt doubles <laughs>
0: And down when Johnny Cappaholla says, "Grandpa, you didn't tell me you, you knew how to snowboard?" He just says, "You never asked." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and down the mountain they go, mirroring the events of Johnny, Sam, and the urchins meeting with the skies at the base of the mountain. We now have Johnny and Johnny meeting the skies on the base of the mountain again same spot literally shot in the same fucking spot i don't know if this is for budget reasons or because they want to make it a mirror i'm i'm assuming the former and they're like we're going to decide this on a race
2: well here's here's the thing first brett shows up and he says hey hawaii who's the freak and i was like the balls on this kid because it's one thing to be a dick to other teenagers but like this is a grown man This is Johnny's grandfather and he's like, who's the freak? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. As Alan said, they are going to race for mountain supremacy, essentially. And if Johnny wins on the snowboard, then everybody can ride everywhere. If Brett wins on the skis, then it stays the way it is where the skiers get the better half of the mountain. And Brett's like, why would I want to do that? And Johnny Tsunami's like, because the winner gets this. And pulls out the rainbow medal. He pulls out the rainbow medal. And I have to ask, did he travel with it?
0: Yeah, he wore that on the plane.
2: He clearly did, though. But at his house, it's like on the wall in like a beautiful like display case. But he brought that to Vermont.
1: Anytime he's wearing a shirt, he's wearing the medal. Molly, how else will people know that he is the best surfer slash person in Hawaii? If he doesn't have the medal on him at point. all times. I guess he did yeah.
2: need to bring the plot medal. He uh, had to, it said it him. in the script. He
0: it's had the, had the only on. way people will know that he is a person that got a medal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: that's the only way somebody'll <laughs> know.
1: And that medal obviously has value because it's a metal. And they're like brett's like the fuck is
0: that thing <laughs> <laughs>
3: but yet
2: give me it <laughs> yeah. but also i want it and
0: johnny's like it's for the best surfer in hawaii he could just it could just be any medal <laughs> yeah it could they could have be gone the a best party skier. He
2: had just gotten a medal yeah he's like
0: oh okay i'm in i I'm in. that's enough i want it
2: now i have a, i have to ask at this next scene you know it's the big race um i guess we should talk about how the, the father-son trauma is resolved. Um, Pete apologizes to Johnny and he says, you know, I've, I've been a shitty dad. I'm going to come watch you race tomorrow. Like, they have a nice moment. Um, but more importantly, Sam shows up to watch the race. And he's like, we're shipping out a day later because like I couldn't miss this epic throwdown between you and Brett and I just love their bromance and I thought Uh, it was so lovely and then Emily shows up and she's like I (laughs) realized Brett was lying to you like lying to me about you like everybody shows up for this race right I gotta know we've done this before if we were in this film Uh who are we I I would like to be grandpa (laughs) I'm Johnny are you saying Alan is Sam
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) no
3: I don't know. Who am I? Don't say
2: he's Pete. (laughs) Well,
0: I think we agree Pete's Gilbert, right?
2: (laughs) I guess if we're going by the tsunami men, I would be Grandpa.
0: I would be Johnny. You would be
2: Johnny. alan's face right now <laughs> Alan is stunned silent the woman was too stunned to speak <laughs> to be fair i'd be offended too i'm offended yeah oh yeah Alan.
0: he's the worst one he's the worst one i do think that like pete plays that like gilbert role there's not like a gilbert character in this that's sort of like the rule follower and pete probably does play that role in this movie but he's the worst gilbert character we've got yeah. i think i think the question should be because uh, you called yourself grandpa pretty fast there Molly which set me up for that but I, I, I think the question should be like Johnny Sam Emily yeah you know you all we, we're we all snowboarding somebody's throwing themselves off the side of the mountain I'm probably, somebody's trying to save that person and somebody is doing sick grabs to go get snow patrol the band I have, who's who
2: I have to say I'm probably the dipshit who fell off the mountain first yeah, I think Alan is Sam in this. Sense. I was gonna say Alan being the best of us and the good person is yeah, gonna Sam. be the one to try and save me, and then that leaves you to go do your sit grabs and get Snow Patrol.
3: The you band fucking called me Pete. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> okay, so yeah, I agree. Not only does he, not only is he the one to go and try to save Emily off the side of the mountain we've already established sam's the the best of us that would like befriend Johnny even though there are like societal barriers right he's the he's the one that will like. You know, advocate to say if if his friend calls and is like, "I want to sneak onto a military plane to Hawaii," he's the one's like, "I'm do I'm in," all right? Like when the other kid, always gonna do the thing,
2: and when the other kids are like, "Drop that guy," he's like, "No, he's stick." He, there's right. a loyal. He sticks there. by him. Yeah, yeah. No, you're Sam.
0: Yeah, Sam's some- the best of the characters, and Alan is there for you
2: Sam. Call yeah. me
0: Pete. We're calling you, bro. Get off
2: of it. We're calling you Sam bro, now.
3: Hi! What? <laughs> All Thank right. you for this gift. It's, it hurts a little bit. It's like aloe vera on a sunburn. But it's you're
0: okay. the best one. You're the best <laughs> one. <sighs> I think, okay. yeah, I agree, Molly. I think you're you're Emily. I'm
2: the dipshit who uh, fell off the mountain.
0: <laughs> and Alan Sam. Well, I threw yourself off the mountain. F- fearless, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, God. like,
2: um, I do it for the content, and like, that's right. whoopsies. Oh, <laughs> and I, I have
0: to go find the band Snow Patrol. You do. And um, sing the
1: songs, the, the classic tunes on the way back and up the mountain. If I lay here. If I just lay here. <laughs> All right, so race time. Brett B. Johnny. Snowboard's. Yeah v. skis, skies, v. urchins. It all comes down to this. And immediately, Brett, being an absolute asshat, pushes Johnny over at the start. Yeah, we'll brink action here. We'll brink, yeah.
0: I was afraid that we were going to get another kind of brink conundrum here at the end, which was that I was, you know, they say at the beginning, like, you got to go through all the markers I don't know much about winter sports, but I've seen it on the Olympics. They they do say like, <laughs> you gotta go through all the, the things right on the trail and first one to the bottom wins. And I was afraid when Brett pushed him that Johnny was going to do the, like, don't actually go the track thing that that Brink did. Yeah. And that we would have to debate, like, who's the bigger cheater? Was it the kid that pushed the kid down? Or was it the kid that skipped the entire track? And I was grateful
2: that Johnny gets back on the track and really? just beats
0: Brett at his own
2: race. So, like I, I do like that for morals, but I did a little research here, friends.
0: Okay. All right.
2: There should be. Now... Let me just say this. Maybe Brett is a terrible skier, despite having done it his whole life. And maybe he's just not that good of a skier. Maybe Johnny, despite having done it for a month, is a really good snowboarder. But I looked up how fast skis and snowboards can go. Mm. The fastest snowboarder on record went 126 miles per hour, which mm. is Very fucking fast. insane. Yeah, fucking crazy insane. Fast. Yeah. But the fastest skier on record... Won 157 miles an hour. Mm. Everything I looked at said skis are much faster than snowboards. So mm-hmm. technically, especially with that head start from cheating, Brett should have won. So I mean, well, he didn't. I mean, I mean but he up, didn't. Maybe to, yeah. maybe he's just not that good of a skier. But yeah. I was curious to know what the actual outcome of a race between skis yeah, yeah, and yeah. snowboards would be.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're presuming straight downhill here though. This has some this is like this is the the cla- this is not a classic argument. This is just an argument I've have, I've had because I like cars. For, for, so for all you car people out there, it's the difference between like a muscle car going in a straight line race and what you'll see in like Fast and Furious 3 Tokyo Drift where you have to like move quickly around corners and be agile, right? Like those are wildly different things, right? So, like, I, maybe these are both like, obviously, Molly, you are correct. First I'm of all, just, let's be clear, you are correct.
2: I'm just saying. Skis
1: are faster. The internet,
2: which is never wrong. My
0: gut is that Molly is is taking numbers from not just a downhill, but like slaloms and otherwise, right? Like, I that know. it's just a faster mode of travel, hard stop,
1: which yeah. everything about that adds up to me. Oh, for sure. I mean, I agree completely with you there, right? Like, skis, like, just the way they're built seem faster. Snowboards give you more, like, maneuver maneuvering potential but like that's now that you say that like johnny should have gotten his ass beat
2: yeah like everything i saw said like skis are like 20 percent faster than snowboards
1: yeah that's crazy
2: which brett just
1: sucks he just is bad he's just bad uh,
2: but we get a montage again one of the reasons is when you crouch in that kind of downhill position is you get less drag than a snowboarder who's standing up so it's just something i looked up something a little fun and the idea of going 157 miles per hour on skis Scary, is literally the scariest terrifying. thing I can imagine. You terrifying. That,
1: like, you know that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach and you're like you have the nerves, but like it's secondhand? I had yeah. that when you mentioned going 157 miles an hour like that's under my own like I I get nervous when I used to like longboard and we'd go fast and I was like I'm going to f- like when you get the wobbles on the that, board? Yeah.
2: That sounds like an absolute nightmare
1: to. Yeah, me. for sure. Yeah. We get our eighth montage of the film. Our eighth montage is this race where we see Johnny eventually catch up to and overtake Brett for the win. Brett does... Like
0: nose to nose, close. Yeah, very very close. close.
1: Very Brett ultimately loses when he does like a terrible limbo sort of situation and his back hits the snow and he slows down rapidly and Johnny crosses the line. Um, And that is fair, Maltz, is that like... They don't have him beat him straight up. They have
0: him beat him because Brett falls, basically. That's true. That's true. That that is, it takes Brett falling for him to get beat by Johnny. That's true. They go off the jump and Brett beefs the jump. So there is some, you know, it's not like they
1: just have him straight up beat him. And Johnny's the bigger man, goes and tries to pull a brink and help Brett up. Brett shoves him off shoves everybody off and just sort of leaves. We, we we gather at this moment that Brett's gone for the movie and we get the applause scene. And in the biggest about face of the film, we get Pete shouting into the crowd, party at my place.
2: Well, he has learned his lesson. He finally showed up for his son's event. That's right. And he's doing it in style.
1: And we cut to the party. At the Kapahala residence.
2: Where they're listening to The Way by Fastball, which uh, really put me in 1999.
0: Where are you going without ever knowing the way? Yeah, and that
2: put me squarely in time.
0: The roads and can see you paved in gold.
1: <laughs> And this is when we get the biggest plot twist of the film. And we are introduced to the two brothers, Ronnie and Randy. And we learn... Through exposition, that Ronnie and Randy are the sons of the owner of the mountain that the Skies and the Urchins skate on, and that their parents split. Presumably, Ronnie going Ronnie and Randy also split in that same faction. Ronnie became a a Sky, Randy became an Urchin, the first Sky and Urchin, because their father passed ten years prior, and they didn't know how to leave the mountain, so they split it down the middle. 10 years ago. Yeah, let's come back to that pen that I (laughs) dropped, huh? Here's the pen. About how
0: this is a brand new situation. (laughs) That this thing that they've established as tradition and that this is the way it's always been and that all of these kids have grown up, Skies and Urchins, and this is the way they've always known it. It's 10 years old. Not good. I was like, why would you kill... The whole world building setup that you created for this movie to exist on in the final scene. I
2: just can't right now.
1: Do you want to know a fun fact?
2: Is it—is it my pin? I think your fun fact is my pin.
1: All right, give me your pin.
2: They're the same actor. They sure it's the are. the same guy playing yeah, both yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, same yeah,
1: guy yeah. playing both of those roles. A real parent yeah. trap situation.
2: Real parent trap for multiple reasons. One, divorce. Kids each go a different direction. And two, same actor, both brothers. But I agree. They tear everything down by saying this only happened 10 years ago.
0: Which is just wild. And they're They gonna do ne- all of this world building to set up this, like, classism, this theme of classism and to, like, make tension between these kids. And then in the final scene of the movie, they cut their knees out from under them by being like, yeah, this was 10 years ago. All these kids were alive when this happened.
2: Like, like. That- That'd be like, okay, I went to a preppy private school and we, when I went, didn't have a middle school. We had a lower school and an upper school. So when you went to assembly in upper school, it was seventh grade through senior year. And the reason I say that is because as a seventh grader, that would mean the seniors, that would mean as a seventh grader, the seniors would be able to skate and snowboard together. Yeah. But then I wouldn't by the time I got a senior. Like You would know people that before this happened.
0: Oh 100%. It's ridiculous. The, it's it's so like it I just was stunned in this moment of like wow they just killed all of their world building in the final scene.
1: I wonder if they're just trying to go with like this recency bias or if they just don't have a good grasp of time because not only do they do this, but they're like the, the time in which people move in this film is consistently one week. Like you only have a week before you move. Like we had it up in both Johnny and Sam, They're just like not nah, 10 years is a long enough time, right? Nobody will think a lot about that.
0: I just think it's so easy for them to be like our dads were yes. the first guys and urchins like. Our dads our grandfather. split the mountain. Our grandfather owned the mountain. Give one more generation and you're good to go.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And by the way, it even would support the theme of this movie. Since this is a grandfather r- relationship, you just make it their grandfather and it's a nice parallel to Johnny Tsunami. Like...
1: It's baffling to me. It's a real swing and a miss. A real swing and a miss in the final minutes. Um, so they the brothers decide they're going to establish the Edison Brothers Air Summit, which means anybody can skate wherever they want to on the mountain. We get a slow dance between Johnny and Emily. They oh, left room for Jesus, too. They did, they did leave enough room. Molly pointed this out, and I made a note of it after pausing. You know who's at that party, Max? Who's that? Brett. Oh. Brett's at the party. They invited Brett. He which, He crashed. He had to crash the party, right?
2: I like to think that we have all grown and he was invited. You
1: know, yeah. maybe that's the moral of the story. Invite the bully to the party because he certainly won't mess anything up. And with that, that is the end of Johnny Tsunami. I have to ask you both, what did you think of this movie? You know, I have a hard time with this one. I have a harder
0: time with this one than I do any other decom. I think that this is a really, like, it's probably one of the best objectively i think it's probably one of the better movies we've had i think that like the pacing is good the themes are pretty strong i like the characters very likable lead i don't like that final scene and like kind of killing the world building but otherwise like i think they resolve the generational thing but i don't walk away being like man i i that's a killer freaking decom but i think that's the nostalgia factor I think that it's the like I didn't watch this a lot, so I'm not going to feel the same way I did about like Smart House. But I think it's objectively a good movie. I think I'm going to give it. I don't know where I expected to go with this, but I think I'm going to give it an eight. I think it's a a much better than average decom at this place. Yeah. Um. But I just don't have the nostalgia factor that might bump it higher.
2: Yeah, I had I struggled with the exact same thought where. I don't have anything bad to say about the movie. The pacing was well done. The characters were well developed. It had some funny moments. But yeah, I don't remember watching it. I didn't enjoy it as much as watching Smart House or Xenon. I didn't even enjoy watching it as much as Brink because I remember watching Brink, though it's objectively a better movie than Brink. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to give it like a 7.5 because mm. I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I really liked Hee <laughs> Hee. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. grandpa but I don't really need to watch it again
1: I'm also going to give it an eight I think that a lot of the plot I really enjoyed there were some aspects of the film that really spoke to me personally mm. in terms of like the the move and and or, or feeling out of place in a space right that spoke to me pretty pretty deeply um, some of the familial relationships also spoke to me incredibly deeply. Uh, so I think frankly, that's probably why I'm rating it at the eight level. It would have been higher if there weren't such obvious issues with the story being undermined towards the end of the film, as you mentioned, right? That Mm. that's where I actually have a lot of notes in all caps towards the end of this of like, you did this really good thing. Why did you ruin it here? And Mm. that, that kind of, that kind of got me. So yeah, I'm going to go with an eight as well. You know what it is? I would recommend Johnny Tsunami. To somebody who had never seen a decom before, who wanted to sort of understand the landscape of a decom without the impact of nostalgia, mm. who wanted to know and see the formula of a decom when it is, in my opinion, sort of at its best as they're formulating that, that equation of how to conduct these movies, mm. I could recommend Johnny Tsunami and understand that that person is walking away with a really good snapshot in time of what a decom is right that's sort of where Mm -hmm. i am at with johnny tsunami yeah i agree i think this is an iconic decom well the internet agrees there is not a singular rating below a six on Mm. imdb for johnny tsunami and i think that's actually a rarity even for xenon we got some low ratings sure right but this is does not go below a six so i'm only going to read one because it was just it felt very they were reaching the author of this review is very very much reaching the title of the review is Heartwarming Tale of Perseverance or Metaphorical Quest to Find One's Inner Self. You decide. I don't know if I want to.
2: <laughs> that feels like a lot of pressure for a decom.
1: I would like to begin this comment by saying that I am disappointed in the IMDB aficionados of America and other countries where broadband internet is prevalent, nay, rampant. Why do I say these things? <laughs> Better yet, why has nobody said these things before? Wow, this I'm sorry, does
0: that person died. not... Does that person not think the internet is like prevalent throughout most of the world? Like you know. They they think that the internet is is subject to America only currently. Oh, they're right. still sky on the America sky.
1: online. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're an AOL user. That which has left me so angered is the five point four rating on Johnny Tsunami. While normally I would tell myself upon seeing this devastatingly low rating, it's okay. Many people just don't see the intricacies and beauty of such a well-made, loving, and cinematogra- cinematographically powerful film. Is that a word? I don't know. Oh, God. However, yeah, montages. as a Disney Channel original movie fan, backslash expert, backslash lifeliver, I feel I must say the following.
0: <laughs> Hold on. They they just said that they are a Disney Channel original movie
1: lifeliver. That's, that's verbatim. Verbatim, yeah. That's a... Specifically, okay. Max, I said fan backslash expert backslash Life liver.
0: Life liver. Mm-hmm. I, I also am a liver of life. True facts.
2: I, they, this guy basically is doing the metal thing. Like Y'all, he's like, <laughs> he's the best person slash surfer on the yeah, island. 100%. I'm
0: definitely a person that
1: got a medal. Yep. <laughs> I feel I must say the following. Brink God. noticed the exclamation point for exclamatory purposes received a higher score than Johnny Tsunami this is outrageous
0: i kind of agree <laughs> i mean i don't disagree with <laughs> <to> that point
1: <laughs> while i feel as though brink was groundbreaking in its own regard it paled he spelled it wrong in Ground- comparison breaking. yeah yeah for sure by the way he spelled paled pawed he did not spell that correctly. nice correctly at all. That paled in comparison to the awe inspiring film that is Johnny Tsunami. Wow. Johnny Tsunami is beautiful, flawless, gripping, and inspirational for flawless. Hawaii American surfers like myself. So we have already established he has a, a very uh, unique s- set of stakes in this review. The fact remains Johnny Tsunami managed to interweave every possible storyline backslash tale of adversity backslash racial conflict that involved the air, engulfed the era in which this film was released it tackled problems of parents being too controlling young love as well as radical grandparents who surf honestly what more could you ask for in a film nay work of art oh my
3: god <laughs> <laughs> bro we're not done we're not done i want to be <laughs>
1: one may argue in fact i will be that one to do so that this film's <laughs> was one of the greatest films of our generation stop it you may think
3: Sir, i am jumping that stop it i they did not write i will that. literally Sir. copy and paste you this entire fucking review <laughs> <Sir>. <laughs> one may argue in
1: fact i will be the one to do so that this film was the greatest film of our generation. You may think I am jumping the gun on this one or jumping ship in Disney Channel original movie language, but frankly, <laughs> I feel that we are all connected with Johnny's struggle against the mountain while struggling against his inner oh demon as well. my God. Bro. This film is amazing, outstanding, and swell. A swell. must see. No, it's swell. not good. just a must. Rather, it is a must Live and experience,
2: bro.
0: I that
1: person does love to hear themselves talk. This is this is Shakespearean in composition.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a good movie, but that that felt a little little far.
1: Did you think that this this review spoiled any of the movie?
2: I think this review was unhinged.
1: I don't think that review is about Johnny Tsunami.
2: So no, I don't.
0: I don't think that it spoiled anything. So, so I, gotta I be
2: had.
1: Honest. So IMDb gave me a warning: spoilers for that. So I actually had to click in to read it. <laughs> yeah, I was how, like, are you kidding? God me? forbid you know how how inspired this person
0: is by this yeah. work of art. If yeah.
2: anything, it spoils the movie in the sense the movie is not good. If you're expecting,
0: <laughs> yeah. a- if that's <laughs> if yes. you're anticipating a cinematographical work of art, then you're you're gonna be in for a bad time this sentence it's a fucking
1: made for tv movie yeah it's like come on come on featuring
0: shang sung from
1: the the 90s classic mortal Kombat. finish him but this was just one of the most unhinged things i've ever read yeah it's wild hope you enjoyed i did i didn't <laughs> <laughs> okay so next up as opposed to what we thought last week when we were talking about this What's up next now is actually genius. Folks, please take a moment to rate and review us on wherever you get your podcast. It really does help us out and it helps us get in front of more ears and eyes. So we really appreciate if you do so. Follow us on all of our social media channels. You're going to see it at at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore club. So go ahead and follow us there on all of our socials, most specifically Instagram and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate and love you very dearly. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.
3: Bye.